hand clap of praise. He's worthy. Hallelujah. Can you just say the name Jesus with me? Jesus. Come on, say it again. Jesus. How excellent is thy name. The Bible tells us in the New Testament, it says all power, all authority has been given to that name. Not just the name of any human. I'm talking about the Christ. When Peter looked into the eyes of the Lord and he said, who do you say that I am? He said, thou art the Christ. It's in that name, that excellent name, that all power and all authority has been given today. And anything can happen when you believe in that name. Amen? Praise God. But won't you stand with me for the reading of God's word? We're going to pray about a couple of things as we get ready to get into the word today. Number one is I got a call a little after three this morning, at 3.30 I believe that um, Brother Charles Reed has passed away. And um, his family has been with him in the ICU at the hospital and he's been there for several days this week and uh, he went on to be with the Lord early this morning. And as he did, the, the family is brokenhearted, and we're praying for them. But how many of you know, we believe that if God raised Jesus from the dead, he'll bring those with him in the resurrection that have fallen asleep. We know that we know that Brother Charles Reed stands in the presence of God. And no more suffering, no more disease, no more problems. He is whole, happy, and man, if you could only see him now. Amen. So we know him, but, but let's pray for Sister Louise and the daughters. We got Paula and we got Sharon and we got Cindy and then all of their families. Let's remember them in our prayers as we pray this morning. And also, Karen, you're back in church. She has been months going through surgery and procedures and treatments, and here she is. This is her first Sunday back, and I think we ought to celebrate with Karen Nodden. We're so glad she's back in church. We love you, Karen. We're glad you're back. So we're celebrating with her and, and trusting God's going to touch these other needs. Sister Myrtle Watkins um, has reached out to us. She called Penny yesterday, Penny Weaver, and, and I received a call the, a couple of days ago. And she is really suffering physically, needs a touch of healing. And I know that the Lord can touch her, so we're going to pray for her in this prayer that we pray right now. As we also pray over the Word of God. So if you have your Bibles, turn to John chapter 1, first chapter. In the Gospel of John, starting with verse 6, powerful word that goes right in line with where we've been and back to the book. This is the book, in case you're visiting with us today, 120 years old right here. And uh, somebody made mention that the other week I got a little uh, uh, exuberant. And when, when I did, I went, bam, preach the word, bam. And when I did, they said, dust flew everywhere. <laughs> I thought it was the glory of God, but no. <laughs> but uh, this is that Bible. We've been in a back to the book series about getting back to the word of God. Amen. Getting back to prayer. Getting back to being who we are in Christ, which is a unified body, strong and powerful, to be able to be used by the Lord, to build the kingdom in these last days. How many of you know that you stepped into universal world headquarters for God when you walked in this place today. You walked into an important place, not because of you or me, 
but because of God, the creator of the universe. This is his house. And we've come together, gathered in his name. And his word says that when two or three are gathered together in his name, there he is in their midst. Right? Amen. So we know the Lord is here with us, so we're excited. That's why people get excited. That's why well, last Sunday we had all kinds of excitement. Uh, the Lord was moving all over this place, and we felt his presence here today. I wouldn't give you two cents for a dead religion. That's right. But man, my God is alive. And he is sitting on the throne, and the Bible says he inhabits the praises of his people. So if, he's, if we're praising him with true and pure hearts today, he promises that he will reside right here in our midst. So I'll tell you, it feels like heaven in here, and I agree with Pastor Brian. Man, I can almost not contain myself, so it's awesome to be here today. Look at the word. Let's read about this as we look back into the word, the book that we're studying and that we're getting back to. Here we are this week. Jesus, the Word made flesh. There was a man sent from God whose name was John. This man came for a witness, to bear witness of the light, that all through him might believe. How many of you know that you are a light? You're to bear witness that Jesus is alive and well. People are supposed to know there's no body in the tomb in Jerusalem because see, they see him in your heart. The world looks at the church, and many times they, they think the church is, you know, a disappointment. And guess what? As a pastor, sometimes they're right. But I tell you, when you find a good old saint that's been filled with God's spirit and living a life of faith, and they have literally given themselves over to the Lord Jesus Christ, that life makes a statement that he's alive. And that he is real. So don't look at every person. You know, if I was the devil, all I would ever really need to do if I was trying to discourage the world is I'd put about three hypocrites in the church. What a great tactic. Completely win and work every single time. Just put three hypocrites in the church. About 90% of the people walk off and say, that church is nothing but a bunch of hypocrites. The devil says, my job is done. So if you're that hypocrite, read Ray. He was not that light. John was not that light. He was not the light, but was sent to bear witness of that light. That was the true light, which gives light to every man coming into the world, Jesus. He was in the world, and the world was made through him, and the world did not know him. He came to his own, and his own did not receive him. But as many as received him, to them he gave the right to become children of God, to those who believe in his name, who were not born of blood. You can't get birthed in to the family of God. It doesn't come naturally. Not of the will of the flesh. You can't deserve it or be good enough for it. Can't be righteous enough for it. Nor of the will of man. Money can't buy it. You can't get it through religious efforts. But read that scripture again. It says, who were born, these children of God, not of blood, not of the will of the flesh, nor of the will of man, but born of God. That's the key. And here's how. Verse 14, and the word became flesh. That is powerful. 
You're sitting back there going, huh? What, what does that mean? The word became flesh and dwelt among us. And we beheld his glory. The glory is of the only begotten of the Father, full of grace and truth. There's your ticket. That's your golden ticket. The word became flesh. Don't worry if you don't understand what that means exactly. We're going to try to unpack that this morning. Let's pray for these needs, these families. Uh, let's remember the Robinson family as well. We had a memorial service yesterday for Brother um, Ken Robinson. This is Lenny Robinson's brother. He and Cindy and all of their family, many of them were in from out of state. Let's remember this family as well. Let's pray. Father, as we come before you this morning, we come thankful for our worship, our praise. The time that we came, Lord, where it's just been good to be in your presence, where you have empowered us through the words and through the worship. Pray that you'll minister now as we look into your words. Speak to us through your Holy Spirit. Lord, not the words of man, not the will of man, not the desire of man. God, move me out of the way and let it be that the people in this house today, your house, will hear from you. Anoint the speaker. Lord, challenge us by your Holy Spirit as well. Move us into a deeper place and understanding of your work and your will in our own lives personally. Touch us together in the name of Jesus Christ, we pray. And Lord, minister to these families that are hurting today, the grieving, those that are, need that comfort from your Holy Spirit, we ask you to touch them. Minister to their needs and to their lives. Touch those that are hurting. And Lord, what your word declares is that you are the comfort, the God of all comfort. And that you give peace that the world doesn't understand. It surpasses all comprehension. Touch them today by your Holy Spirit and be with them. We ask you to touch the Reed family, touch the Robinsons, minister to their hearts, their hurting hearts. Although they sorrow, Lord, they have confidence and faith that their loved ones stand in the presence of the one they hold in faith and love all of their lives. So we honor you for the truth of your word. Now be with us. Touch Sister Myrtle. Heal her, strengthen her, and be with her today, God, as we lift her up in prayer. And we ask all of these things in the mighty name of Jesus Christ. And everyone together said amen. Amen. God bless you. You can be seated. Whoa. Oh. Looks like the water's on the altar. Okay, these words that I'm reading from John's gospel. And the word became flesh and dwelt among us. And we beheld his glory, the glory as of the only begotten of the Father, full of grace and truth. That sounds so poetic. It sounds abstract. It sounds like extravagant verbiage. It, it's something that you got to unpack. You got to define. You got to figure out what it means. It's like the word beautiful. What does the word beautiful mean? Well, how do you describe? I can point and tell you what beautiful is. But I don't know if I can describe what beautiful is. It's the same thing with this scripture here. When you're trying to understand, what does that mean? And the word became flesh. Well, we know the word, the promise, the, the parchments, the, the, the rewards, the, the, the things that God has given to us from the very beginning of time. We know in Genesis 1 and 1, we go back and look at the word. The Bible says, in the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. And the earth was without form and void. And darkness covered the deep. And then you've got the Holy Spirit who hovers over the darkness. And then it begins and says, and God spoke. 
and God said. When God began to speak, things began to happen. God speaks and creation happens. As a matter of fact, that can be proven scientifically because we understand from our scientific friends that creation has never stopped expanding. Can you imagine, ever since the first day that God said, let there be light, let there be a lesser and a greater light. And when you put those together, as soon as God spoke those things into existence, science proves that the creative words of God have been building and expanding the universe ever since. I don't even know exactly how many millions of light years or miles that it comes together, but they are telling us that the universe continually expands. New stars, new planets, new universes, new places all expanding and happening out there. Why? Because God is a creative, powerful God. And until God says, stop, it don't stop. It just keeps going. And that's the way he works in our lives. When he speaks blessing over your life, Christian, it won't stop until God says to stop. God is a powerful God. And when he's looking and working in our lives, the power that comes with knowledge of him and his word, it man, it, it changes everything. So when God says, when these words are spoken, the word became flesh the creative power of God, the glory of God, the majesty of God, the deutimus of God. That's a Greek word. It means dynamite. The explosion of God. When we understand just how powerful he really is, so many people have got Jesus as this, if you'll excuse this expression, this scrawny, skinny, little puny, frail Jesus hanging on a cross. You know what? Get him off that cross. He is a mighty champion warrior for God. He looks like a million bucks. And when he stands up there, the Bible says he's got hair white as wool, eyes as a flame of fire. He's got feet that look like they've been burned in a furnace. You know, he is a mighty, powerful voice. And when he speaks, the Bible Bible says it's as if the thunder of many waters, the roar of waters come out of his mouth. I'm telling you, he is not a puny, frail little Jesus. He never was. I mean, he was a carpenter, for goodness sake. Who painted that picture? Exactly. He's powerful. He's mighty. He's awesome. He speaks in its power. He doesn't even, he just has to say it. It was the centurion that looked at him and said, I know what it is to give orders. I know what it is to make commands. Lord, if you just speak the word, my servant will be healed. You don't even have to go, Lord. You don't have to be at the house. You don't have to go with me and pray with him in person. You just speak it and it will be done. And guess what? It was immediately. This powerful word. Well, now we got John who's trying. He's starting off his gospel. We know the four Gospels, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. John starting off the, 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 the Gospel of John, and in the very first chapter, he's wanting to get something across to us very powerful. He says, the Word became flesh and dwelt among us, and we beheld his glory, the glory as of the only begotten of the Father, full of grace and truth, the highest communication of God's love for his people. When John was speaking these words, he was anointed by the Holy Spirit. The Bible, just in case you don't understand and know it, this is God-breathed. 
it's given men men wrote these words but it wasn't their intellect and it wasn't from their good thinking and knowledge it was words the bible tells us they were god breathed they were inspired the holy spirit is responsible for every word that's in this bible that's why when it comes together and you read and you you understand what it says when it says the lord is my shepherd i shall not want he maketh me to lie down in green pastures you can look at the troubles you can look at the trials you can look at the storm you can look at the devil right in his face and you can say the lord is my shepherd i shall not want he maketh me to lie down in green pastures he restores my soul he leadeth me in the paths of righteousness for his name's sake and even yea though i walk through the valley of the shadow of death i will fear no evil for thou art with me Thy rod and thy staff, they comfort me. Thou preparest a table before me in the presence of all my enemies. Thou anointest my head with oil, my cup runneth over. And when it's all over, Brother Charles Reed, surely goodness and mercy will follow me all the days of my life, and I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. Do you know who you serve today? Is it just a religion to you? Is it just a ritual to you? Is it just a, a good little patty cake on Sunday? Is it just something that makes you feel good during the week that you did your duty religiously? Or have you discovered that he is the mighty God of the word? He is a word and the powerful word that brought the world into existence, that spoke and man was formed out of the clay and the woman was formed from his rib and God breathed on them this powerful God. And they became a living being. Now here's where the trouble began. Are you ready? Very quickly. It started right there in the garden. You see, God wanted the fellowship and wanted the community. He wanted to be able to walk and talk with us. The old song. Just a little talk with Jesus. He wanted that fellowship, that, the garden, the beauty, the pleasure, the treasure of it, the, the, the amazing, beautiful, plush, tropical place. And in it, he put the man and the woman, and as he put them there, he wanted them to really love him. He wanted that authentic love, not the robotic love. We love you, God. You made us to love you. We obey you. You're every command. We will serve you faithfully, God. He didn't want that. People are like, why did God make things? Why did he make things like he did? Well, you're so smart. <laughs> I'm sure you know more than him. But he knew in our hearts and in our lives, in order to, the whole purpose of it, why create the earth? Why create human beings? Why make the animals? Why put this whole beautiful planet together? There wasn't a purpose and something passionate underneath it because God is love. He said, I want fellowship. He called Abraham a friend of God. He wanted to know us. He wanted us to know him. So he gave us free will. You can tell me that you love me. But it's not real unless you can tell me that you don't. So in the garden, 
was this tree. The knowledge of good and evil. Eat from all this. But don't touch this one. It's death. And in the process, again, of him knowing a whole lot more than you and I do. The Bible says before the worlds were framed, a decision had already been made by this guy that the world says is cruel. A decision had already been made between the Trinity, the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit that in the event that man or woman chooses the wrong paths in life, which we all do, there would be a rescue. Before he ever spoke and said, let there be. He already had made a plan that if they choose wrong, if they choose sin, if they choose evil, I will make a way for them to come back to me. I find that to be amazing grace. Amazing. How, how awesome that he would love us like this. I mean, let's go back to the garden again. Do you, do you remember? I mean, you read it when you were a child. Maybe you've read it recently. It says God in, in Genesis 3 and 8, the voice of the Lord God was heard walking in the garden in the cool of the day. I mean, he, he spoke with them on... They met together on a regular basis. I mean, you could see it's time for the cool of the day, and here comes God. And God was excited, happy about that. I mean, it, it was a pleasure. It was a delight of his heart and, and mind. The passionate God that we love and that we know is defined by love wants fellowship with his people. And Adam, he's walking through the garden one day in particular, and, and he says, Adam, where are you? And Adam hiding because we know something else not only does God speak in the garden not only can you audibly hear God as he walks through the garden in the cool of the day and talks with you but obviously if they're hiding from him Adam says we're hiding from you because we're naked God said who told you you were naked well, that one you gave me. And they're both pointing fingers at each other. The fall. Man chooses evil. Man chooses to know more than God. Chooses to be over God. Chooses to take that higher road where they can be in control. They choose evil. No more. Because you see, this powerful God we're talking about is also a holy God. He's so holy. He's pure. He is the innocence and the purity of righteousness. He's righteousness in age. He's, he, this power is also holy. And the holiness of God is transcribed as not only his presence and his holiness that makes his glory, the glory of God. And the glory of God is, is bright. It's, it's 
a light. It's like light. It's something you can't describe. Again, it's like beautiful. It's majestic. It's all those things. But it's one thing it can't be around is it can't be around evil. The Bible says no man can look on God and live. You see the brightness of his glory, his holiness, his presence. The brightness of his glory is so that man can't even look. Moses wasn't even allowed to look on him directly. All over and over again, there were signs and things in the word that let us know that that God would never just openly reveal himself. You'd never survive it. But this same God who's walking in the garden, this same God that's talking to Adam and Eve in the cool of the evening is now dealing with the fact that they've chose evil and evil can't be in his presence. It just can't. But not without a way made. He decided there's got to be a way for them to come back. There's got to be a way for them to make their way home. There's got to be, it was God's desire. It was his goodness, his love. He wasn't finished with us yet, thank God. It was the goodness of God that made sure that even when the, the man and the woman chose evil and went the road of failure and went the road of selfishness, they were destroyed uh, from the garden. The, the garden was now They were banished from the garden, and they had to be banished from God's presence. So now we are completely, because God's pureness, God's holiness, we are completely separated from God for all of eternity. All people, because Adam and Eve were now the parents of the evil that had been there fallen. And now the nature of sin has now entered into the human race. And now we are forever separated from God, except God is a good God. And a loving God, a merciful God. And he said, no, I will make a way for them to come back. And in making a way for them to come back, it started with how could he bring the fullness of time. We know in the New Testament it was the fullness of time when Christ was born. So we know that when God talks about the birth of of, in the New Testament, Isaiah foretold you know, in the fullness of time. There, there was a timeline that had to happen. There was an order that had to take place. There, the man had to go from the chosen evil to follow Satan's temptings and to follow their own way and their own path. He had to go from there to a place where he would understand the holiness, the purity, the righteousness of God. So that one day when the fullness of time had come, the word could become flesh. And he could become the savior. See, I already know where I'm going. I'm ready to run. I'm ready to shout up here. But you don't know where I'm going just yet. The word became flesh. In order to get from the garden to the word became flesh, you've got some things that's got to take place. It starts with a tent in the wilderness. They can't be with God. They can't be around God. So God is in his passion, in his love. He says to Moses, he says, hey, make me a sanctuary. Create me a place right there in the middle of the camp. They've got these tent cities. They're wandering around. He's the deliverer, and they're out there in the wilderness, and they're wandering around Sinai, and they're getting this job done, trying to get to the promised land. And they slip and fall and stumble over and over again. But here they are in this place where they are trying to get to the promise of God. And in that trying to get to the promise of God, they find themselves watching Moses and a bunch of the, the leaders building a tent in the middle of the camp. What's he doing? 
comes to the people and he says, God wants to dwell among us. Yes, awesome. When will we get to see him? When? Oh, you won't. When will we get to, to, to worship him? You, you, you can, but you have to do it from outside the tent. He's going to be in the tent? Yes. Well, we want to see him. No, you can't. He's pure. He's holy. He shouldn't even be here. But he loves us so much that he's created this dwelling place. He's created this place where he's going to be able to be in type and symbol and shadow. It's the closest he can get. He searched, and this is the order and the way that it's going to happen. And he went down through and described the Ark of the Covenant, the table and the lampstand, the tabernacle itself, the bronze altar, the courtyard, making oil for the lampstand, the priestly garments and how they would have to be consecrated, and Aaron and his sons, the Levite tribe, who would only be the ones who were permitted to go in to the temple area and in to the outer court and inner court and into the Holy of Holies. The priestly garments all made ready. They're consecrated and made ready. Then he goes and describes the offerings and the sacrifices and the days. Do you see the tent in the middle of the camp? Do you see how amazing this is? And then when you look and think about the inside, well, what does it look like, Moses? What, what's the, well, here's the plan. He, it's made of wood and, and, and there's an ark. And inside the ark are several items that are precious and they represent miracles that took place. There's a little pot of manna that that was preserved. There's a a rod that was there when Aaron used it to to blossom. It's there. And the commandments that I brought down from the mountain, they're all there. Everything's in the ark of the covenant and God is going to anoint that. And there's a a lid on top of there with the mercy seat. And that mercy seat is going to be the place of sacrifice. But there at the cherubims where their wings touch, God... God is going to shine bright in his Shekinah glory. He's going to be there, promised to be right there in our midst. Moses, we want to see it. You can't. You can't come close, but God is coming as close as he can to you. And then we find that once the Holy of Holies was set up, the priests were consecrated, The priestly garments were made. The bronze altar was ready. All these things were put in place. Suddenly one day, the children of Israel look and they see that coming out of the the holy place where the light is, where the Shekinah glory of God is represented. This funnel of light comes up out of the holy of holies and spreads all across the camp covering from the east to the west, from the north to the south. A million or so children covered under this cloud of protection in the middle of the wilderness in the desert where the heat and the intensity of the sun that would burn their feet in the sand, they're protected from all day. Comfort all day long, like having a shade where they can just 
fan themselves. All day long, God, who looks at his people who walked in disobedience, his people that walked away from him time and time and time and time again. But in his love and his passion, in his glory, he decides, I want them so much. I want to have them close to me. And so he spans out this cloud by day. And then, oh, wow, you should be there right about sundown. It's amazing. All the little kids go running out of the tents, and they grab their mom, and they grab their dad, and they go find a place to sit under the cloud because right about sundown you see there at the holy place it starts to change and there in the swirl of that cloud coming out of the holy place is illumination and light and the next thing you know it turns into fire and it comes and it lights up all of that cloud and it spreads out over top of the entire group of people until they are completely protected at night as a defense there is no way the enemy can can come through it no way an enemy can get behind it or in front of it it protects them this God who is so cruel the world says who is so unloving this God creates this beautiful comfort and defense for his children as he is promising to be so close to them Man, it just totally thrills me. It gives me a whole new way of looking at Psalm 121. You know, that was a song of ascent. It was a song of the travelers. It was a traveler's psalm. We sing it around here. We talk about it a lot. Uh, Brooklyn Tab put out a great song about it. It says this, my help comes from the Lord who made heaven and earth. I will lift up mine eyes to the hills from whence cometh my help. He will not allow your foot to be moved. He who keeps you, Israel will not slumber. Behold, he who keeps Israel shall neither slumber nor sleep. The Lord is your keeper. The Lord is your shade at your right hand. The sun shall not smite you by day, nor the moon by night. The Lord shall preserve you from all evil. He shall preserve your soul. Now listen to this last verse. The Lord shall preserve your going out and your coming in from this time forth and even forevermore. God is a good, good God. He's a great father. He is an awesome creator. He's a wonderful, mighty, mighty God. We love him. We honor him today. And if we get off our high horse and stop trying to figure everything out and just trust the one who made the stars and made the oceans and put the mountains in place, weighed them in a scale, if we would just trust him again. I get excited. I'm sorry. I can't help myself. At 4 o'clock this morning when I walked into the hospice up there in Dayton on Wilmington, I walked into a family that was broken. But when I walked in that room, I looked at Brother Reed as he laid there and I thought, oh, there's no way. I feel anything but joy, unspeakable, and full of glory for him because he has reached his reward. He has got now the promise that he's lived for. God has been good to him. I wouldn't want to give it away too much. We're going to save some of it for the service, but one of the nurses walked in little around 3 o'clock, and there was Sister Louise laying on the bed beside him in a little cot in the They both had reached across the room and were holding hands all night long. And Brother Reed had went on to be with the Lord, and they were still holding hands. The nurse woke Sister Reed up and said, honey, I think he's gone on. And she was still holding his hand. 
Let me tell you, that kind of rest, that kind of sleep, the Bible says precious in the sight of the Lord is the death of his saints. We see it so differently on this side. They'll say to you, many will say, I'm so sorry for your loss. I'm so sorry for your loss. Oh, you've lost, you've lost. They get the cards for you. Sorry for your loss. We get it. We understand. We know what they're saying and why they're saying it. But listen, here's the truth. It's time to start living out truth. The truth is, how can you say something is lost when you know right where it is? It's not lost, as a matter of fact. He's preserved. He's going out and it's coming in. When he walked through that valley of the shadow of death, the Lord was there. There to meet him and bring him in to a beautiful welcome and reception party. He's standing in the presence of God right now. And he's in good standing with God because God brought him close. God brought him close. God's already made invitation for you and I. He wants us close. Oh, listen. Oh, you have no idea how this is burning inside of me. It's time to understand. God went to a lot of effort through this temple, through the tent, through the tent of meeting, through all that he's done. He's put all that together as he was making his, his order and showing us the importance of the value of what it is to be holy and righteous. And the priests had to be a certain way. And the incense had to be a certain way. The oil had to be a certain ingredients put together he was setting up an order so that we would understand who can ascend to the hill of the Lord those with a pure heart and clean hands we got to clean our hands but how many of you know God is the one that cleans the heart he's the one that makes that pure he wants and desires that invitation has been given to every one of us to be pure on the inside man can't look at God but God has done a whole lot to look at him and to bring him back to him. Oh, it, we looked down through and as the order was getting set and the temple and the tent of meeting was set. And it was all coming to a time. Isaiah said there will be a, a, a babe in Bethlehem wrapped in swaddling clothes. And the Messiah was foretold. Can you imagine those same kids looking at the, the, the fireworks happening in the the, the clouds at night about sundown as they were traveling. You can imagine mom and dad saying, oh, kids, one day, one day, the Lord has promised there'll be a Messiah. One day, the Savior's coming, and oh, it's going to be grand and glorious. All throughout the Old Testament, clear to the end, one day, one day, kids, forget Santa Claus, forget Goldilocks and the three bears. They would sit around the hearth and talk about the coming Messiah, the one that's going to come and reign over all the world and change the whole course of history and that is what's coming how many of you know and believe it today we're still looking for the soon appearing of that lord to come again and to receive us unto himself he said in john 14 he said let not your heart be troubled you believe in god believe also in me in my father's house are many mansions if it were not so i would have told you i go to prepare a place for you and if i go and prepare a place for you I'm going to come again and receive you unto myself, that where I am, there you may be also. He's been setting this up all down through history. And then we come to the New Testament, and there we've got the word. It says, and when the fullness of time had come. You can see heaven. This are all going. It's all done. Everything's been put in place. Everything has been ordered Get the scar, get the star. Angels, get down to the shepherds on the hill. It's time. The fullness, is, the fullness of time has come. They get out there and the angels are getting, they've been practicing this for 
generations. They get out and they're like, glory to God in the highest. That sounded pretty good. (laughs) Peace on earth, goodwill to all men. And the angels, then it's my turn. Born this day in the city of David, a Savior, Christ the Lord. When that came out, the grand and glorious balconies of heaven filled up. Man, somebody has put the wrong stuff inside you. They've tried to tell you that that's a fairy tale. Let me tell you what that is. That is a faith tale. That is a promise from God. And that is history. And it's what's happening in prophecy just any day. We are getting ready for the second coming of the Lord. And when he comes, he's coming as the lion of the tribe of Judah. There is no devil that can fight him. There's no evil that can withstand him. There is no, no hindrance to his reigning and ruling. It's exciting to me. I get excited. I'm like a coach. Y'all sit back and watch the coach at the Super Bowl, and he's going nuts and going crazy, and he's doing all this, and you're just like, look at him. He needs ice cream. Somebody gets up here in the pulpit and gets excited about the fact that he is the one and only omnipotent God. He's a powerful, mighty God sitting on the throne of glory. And I get excited about that, and people go, well, he's a little dramatic, wouldn't you say? He, oh, he's one of them charismatics. You know, woo-hoo. We know what that's all about. I am cuckoo. I'm loco. Let me tell you, I'm so loco, I can't hardly stand it because I know that my Redeemer lives. Uh, <laughs> Hallelujah. He lives. He lives. Christ Jesus lives today. He walks with me and talks with me along life's narrow way. He lives. He's awesome. He's mighty. Karen knows he lives. He showed up at the hospital. He was right there. He's touched your body physically. He is alive and well. He's real. And guess what? When it all came down, the whole purpose of Bethlehem, the whole purpose for the the glorious mission of Christ was so that the word, the glory, the pureness, the holiness, the righteousness of God could come and dwell within us. The word was made flesh and dwelt among us. And then we read so many of the scriptures where it talks about Christ in us, the hope of glory. You see, the devil thought, the devil thought he had me, but Jesus was made flesh and grabbed me. The devil thought in the garden when he slid up that little tree, pulled that little fruit out and said, hey, baby, doesn't this look scrumptious? Doesn't this look good, honey? Get your man to try some of this. Oh, no, I can't. God said we can't. Did God really say that? Or does he just not want you to be as smart as you are? He just wants you to know it all. He just wants you to figure it all out and have all the answers. He wants you to be an atheist. 
Is that what God really said? Well, I don't know. Try it. Try doubt. Try discouragement. Try failure. Try disobedience. Try rebellion. It's good. Wonderful. What are you doing, girl? I got this for you. It's good. He took it. Thunder and lightning. And the world changes. The enemy sat back and said, I win. I win. But then, of course, there's the cross. And Jesus, beaten, marred as no man, the Bible says, was ever marred, beaten down because of the failure in the garden. Beaten down, destroyed, and killed. But in his last breath, the enemy noticed he says something very strange. He says, it is finished. The devil says, what you talking about, Willis? Sorry, that wasn't in my notes. What you talking about? What you talking about? It's finished. What does he mean by that? Next thing you know, the lion of the tribe of Judah is storming down through the gates of hell and Hades. It says, give me the keys to death, hell, and the grave. You don't own any of this anymore. I take it back from you. Then he turns and looks at the devil, and the devil says, well, I killed you. And the Lord said, watch this. He walks back up out of the cavern, walks right back up into that tomb, gets down there, lays down, and says, power. Speak, God. Speak it. And the power that raises Jesus from the dead, he said, is the same power that's going to resurrect you and I. And we're going to stand. We once were dead in trespasses of sin, but he has redeemed us. We have that same power then now at work in us. Because see, here's what it's all about. The word was made flesh. The word dwells among us. And now where the devil thought he was taking away our fellowship in the garden. He thought he was just going to take away God speaking to us in a wind, in a wave, and to coming down in the cool of the evening. He thought he was just taking that all away from us. He thought maybe he'd just take away the smoke and the fire and he'd take all these things away from us. But he didn't understand that God always has the last word. God always has the last word. Let me tell you something. God has the last word over your circumstance, over your situation. The devil comes along and tries to tell you, sell you a bill of goods. He's been doing that since day one. But listen closely. God will have the last word over your trial, over your storm, over your trouble. He will have the last word because he always does. And here's the deal. The enemy thought he was taking all that stuff away from us, thought he was taking away our fellowship. But God said, no, you know what? 
realize I'm not going to have to walk down in the garden anymore. There's no more garden. Forget the garden. Don't go to the garden. You won't find me there. The garden is, no, we're not going to do that. What I'll do is I'll create a heaven, and that'll be cool. So that'll be the garden. But then he says, ah, don't worry about the tent. Go, don't go to a revival meeting trying to find me there. Don't try to do that. Don't try to look for man. Don't try to look to preachers and religion and all that stuff. Don't look at those because here's what's going to happen. You see, the devil thought he took all that away from you, but really what he did was he made me mad, right? He, that's what God says. He made him mad. And so God says, no, here's what's going to happen. The word is going to become flesh. And when the word becomes flesh, he's going to dwell down inside you so that now that tent of meeting, that tabernacle where all the sacrifices take place, it's taking place down inside your heart. As a matter of fact, I'm going to send the Holy Ghost. He's going to baptize you with fire, and you're going to live and have strength. And as Cameron read it earlier, but you shall receive power. After that, the Holy Ghost has come upon you, and you shall be what? A witness. You shall be a witness that God is alive and well, not dead, not in the tent. He's not out back. He is in my heart. And that truth, that is what gave God the last word. He's got the last word. He's in me. Jesus is not hiding over here. I don't have to wait till the cool of the day. I don't have to go to the tent and stand back and hope a priest was doing good that day. I don't have to wait and sit back and if I want to worship God, wait until the priest comes out and done the sacrifice. I don't have to wait on that. What if you had to do that today? And I'm getting ready to close. Play me out. Give me this music and it'll calm me down and the airline will just come right to a runway. But what if, what if, you had to come in here on you had to come in here on Sunday and before you could ever get into this sanctuary you're standing out in the parking lot and you're not allowed in here you see you you're not allowed to get inside see you don't understand where we've come from we've come from a place where the the bible tells us that that they couldn't go into the tent of meeting they couldn't go into the sanctuary moses we want to go see god you can't it was much like if we would just put guardrails all around the building and you could come to the church, you could stand in the parking lot and you could pray in the parking lot and you could stand there and wait for one of the pastors to come out. And if we come back out, then we must have prayed through because if the priest hadn't prayed through, he'd be dead because no man can go in there unless he's been consecrated and been made holy and righteous before the Lord, forgiven. He had to take his sacrifice first. So he gets in there, does the ritual, does the ceremony, comes out. People see him, Heather. They're like, oh, we're good to go for one more year. Whew. What if that's the way you had to live? What if you had to live in a religious ritual form like that? God looked down and said, I want you to understand the holiness. I want you to understand the purity. I want you to understand the fire and the power. I want you to see how I strong I am and what I can do in your midst. I want you to see that I'm a God of great grace, great power. But right about the time you get it, when the fullness of time has come, then I'm going to bring my son I'm going to give the best I got. I'm actually, in order to bridge the gap between you and me, I'm going to give myself. He gives himself. 
through his son. And when he says, the word was made flesh and dwelt among us. That's when God says, now, all that power of the universe, all that power that created the stars, the sun, the moon, the mountains, the oceans, the planets, the solar systems, all of that power now lives in you. When we believe, when we believe, doesn't happen to everybody. It happens to those who believe. You got to make a choice. You got to make a decision. You still got to make a decision. Choose. Choose life. Choose Christ. And on the day that you die, we'll stand up in church and we'll tell everybody, Brother Charles is good to go. We miss him, we sorrow. The Bible says, brethren, I don't want you to be ignorant concerning those who fall asleep, those who die. Not that you would sorrow. He says, I, I don't want you to, I know that you'll sorrow, but we don't sorrow like those who have no hope. We have hope. That one day, what, what does the scripture say? For the Lord himself shall descend from heaven with a shout with the voice of the archangel, and the trump of God shall sound, and the dead in Christ shall rise first. Then we which are alive and remain shall be caught up together with them to meet the Lord in the air, and so shall we ever be with the Lord. Wherefore, comfort one another with these words. Do you realize how much we have to look forward to? I can't hardly stand it. I walked out of hospice this morning early. Sun was not even up. But I walked out. With tears in my eyes and my hand up in the ears, I got in my car, started singing gospel songs. And I was like, Lord, it's soon and very soon. We are going to see the King. Soon and very soon. Stand with me. We are going to see the King. Soon and very soon. We are going to see the King. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. We're going to see the king. Can you say amen? Amen. At the cross, the veil was written too. And at the promise of Revelation chapter 5, the word has been made alive through Christ, the Lamb of God who takes away all the sin of the world. He will be honored, glorified, and in our presence, we will worship and honor him. But John said, the gospel said, the word was made flesh. So now, God has the last word. Amen? With every head bowed and every eye closed. I want to pray two prayers. The first prayer is that I want to pray for us believers. Because the enemy still tries to distract, he still tries to... He still tries to steal from us, take our faith away from us. He wants us to think we know it all. We're so smart. He wants us to throw away our hope of tomorrow. He wants us to think that we're nothing more than just dust when it's all said and done. and It's all over when we die. But, oh, that is the largest lie that's ever been told. There is a plan God has had from the very beginning of time for rescue 
for eternity, for eternal life and salvation for his people. That salvation comes through the word. The word that down through time came to the fullness of time, that word became flesh at the birth of Jesus Christ. With the death of Jesus Christ, mission was accomplished. So now he is full of grace and truth. And you and I can be forgiven, cleansed, and washed by that Savior who loves us. We don't have to burn the sacrifices, don't have to make the blood covenants and sacrifices anymore. The blood covering, the blood sacrifice has already been made through Jesus who gave his life for you. So today, so we pray for ourselves and then I make invitation. I want to pray for those who would accept Christ into their life. If you're here today and you don't have that right relationship with Jesus, you have never prayed the prayer to invite him into your heart. It's not a magic formula. I'm not giving you words that are magic in any way. It's just a guided prayer. When prayed from your heart, will change your whole life. Give peace to your family. It will touch, it will touch your own life. Transform. I can't tell you the change that happened in my life the night I accepted Christ. As an 18-year-old guy, I gave my life to Jesus, and man, I went home, slept like I had never slept before, felt like 50 pounds, 60 pounds had been taken off my shoulders. My heart was light. I felt so free and so, so, I felt clean. God wants to give you a whole new life, a whole new heart, transform you in every way. Are you here today and you'd say, I need Jesus, and I would love to pray that prayer standing right here at my seat. I'm going to make an altar here. If that's you and you'd pray that prayer, would you just slip up your hand and write back down? I want to pray that prayer. Is there anyone at all? Is there any crowd this size? Anybody? It's okay if you don't respond to me. It's not about me, but it's about your heart, your life, the giving your life to Jesus. Are you here today? And you'd say, I want to pray that prayer. God bless you, sir. God bless you. I see your hand. All right. Is there anyone else? God bless you, sir. Yes, sir. All right. We're going to pray this prayer as we do again. It's not magic. It's not, but it's a guided prayer. We're going to pray with you together. If you pray this from your heart, then the word of God declares that you're born again and you're saved. He says in his word, if a man or a woman will believe in their heart that he is the son of God, that he was raised from the dead, that he died on that cross for you, for the sins of the world, that he is the son of God. If you believe that in your heart and confess it with your mouth, which is what we're fixing to do right now, then the Bible says you're saved. You're a believer. You're a follower of Christ. That's all. He doesn't require you to give your credit card. And you don't have to give any, any blood. Nothing else is required. The hard work's been done. He wants to be Lord of your life. There will be transformation and change in you. That comes with it, and it's so beautiful. So we're going to pray that prayer. And as we do, you pray with me. Let's all pray together. Lord Jesus, come into my heart. Forgive me of my sins. Cleanse me. Wash me. You are the Son of God. You died on the cross for me. You rose from the dead. I believe you are God. So now be the Lord of my life. I believe it in my heart. 
I confess you with my mouth. According to your word, I'm a Christian. I'm saved. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Praise God. And now, now I want to pray a prayer with you today. I want to pray that we get it, that we understand the word was made flesh and dwells among us. The word of God, the power of God, the dudamus of God is in you. He wants to help you be victorious in every area of your life. It's not pie in the sky. It's reality. It's the real, authentic truth and grace of God's love for you. Don't miss it. But I want us to pray for each other. Pray for the hunger in one another. Pray for strength over one another. Many are going through trials. Understand, God wants the last word over your trial. That's the word for someone today. God has the last word over your trial. Amen? Amen. Praise God. Father, we come to you in this last closing prayer, and we ask you to minister to the church. Build us up in your strength. Touch us by your power. Let us feel and sense the truth that you've spoken to us through your word today. Pray it will challenge us, that the Holy Spirit will work in us, that we'll have a great and wonderful desire inside of us to move into that deeper place with you, to have clear understanding of who you are and what you represent. God, you're not just a religion. You are our power for living. And we thank you for this truth we hold and embrace today. Be with your people. Stir us with a hunger such as we've never had before. And as we leave this place, Lord, let your work be accomplished to build the kingdom and to bring others into this life-saving knowledge of Jesus Christ as Savior. So we pray it all in the name of Jesus. And everybody said amen. Amen. Let me remind you, Gary brought it up. Tonight, the first Sunday night of every month is going to be Revival Night. First Sunday night. Everybody say first Sunday night. First Sunday night of every month is going to be Revival Night. Mass choir, all the stage will be full. Choirs, bands, all of them will be here. Bishop Les Higgins from Tennessee is coming to speak tonight. Powerful preacher of the gospel. You will love he and his wife Donna. They're going to be here. It's going to be a great service. So come back, be with us at 6 o'clock. God bless you. Have a great afternoon.